Friends, please turn to Second Peter in your Bibles and the first chapter. Our series is based on this little book towards the end of the New Testament and uh, this morning we ask the question, what's happened? So that we can bring some matters into focus and provide a background for our study of this book. Now of the 21 letters in the New Testament, Paul wrote 13 of them. He wrote to specific congregations and to some individuals. But there are eight letters by others that were addressed to Christian believers, often scattered over a broad region. Several of the New Testament letters deal with problems. First and Second Peter are two of these general letters. Now the New Testament gives very few details of Peter's life as an apostle, what he did and where he went. But we do get some clues from John chapter 21. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, he asked Peter three times, using his previous name, Simon, do you love me? And in response to Peter's replies, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And that proved to be a defining moment for Peter's future ministry. Now it seems that First Peter was probably written when Peter worked in Rome in the early 60s AD. This little letter was addressed to scattered congregations of Jewish and Gentile Christians who lived in the provinces of Rome such as Bithynia and Pontus. And on a map we can see that they are part of what is now modern Turkey. Those to whom Peter wrote were being persecuted because they believed in Jesus. Persecuted by people outside the church family. Peter's second letter was written a few years later, perhaps to the same people. He had learned that some from now, within their number, were leading others astray through false teaching. And Peter wrote to them out of a deep pastoral concern for their spiritual welfare. He was concerned about these scattered congregations and here he was truly feeding his Lord's sheep. And there are lessons in this little book for us today because people still face similar problems. Persecution because they believe in Jesus. Trouble brought about from within their number by those who give false teaching. Now first a little bit about the structure 
of the letter. It can be divided up into convenient sections and an easy structure to remember is this one. Chapter 1, what's happened in the past? What's the problem they face in the present? And what are we waiting for concerning the future? Now a second outline builds on Peter's own words in this book, chapter 1 verse 17, where he writes, I will always remind you of these things, meaning some important principles about godly living. There's a little introduction and then reminder 1 is about privileges and responsibilities as Christians. Reminder 2, the source of the truth that is the basis for our belief. Thirdly, warning against false teaching. And then in chapter 3, the day of the Lord. Now a third structure uh, uses the paragraph headings in the NIV translation of the scriptures and most of you will have that. There's the greeting and then the first paragraph making one's calling and election sure. Third, we've got the prophecy of scripture. Next in chapter 2, false teachers and their destruction. And then chapter 3, the day of the Lord. Now we're going to bring together number 1 and number 3 of that little group for our series uh, over these next three Sundays. Now the greeting, first two verses of chapter 1. In verse 1, Peter introduces himself as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now a servant is someone who acts under the authority of another. An apostle on the other hand is someone acting with the authority of another. Now Peter is both servant and apostle. He acts under the authority of Jesus but he also acts with the authority of Jesus. Peter was writing to those who have received a faith as precious as ours, as precious as ours as apostles, Peter means there. Perhaps those believers we saw before who were living in the northern parts of modern Turkey. They were believers in Jesus and Peter described that as having a precious faith. Now such a faith came to those believers through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. Now as Judy pointed out earlier, righteousness is associated with justice and God acted righteously, justly, when he sent Jesus to die for us. Now in his first letter... Peter expressed it this way in his chapter 3 and verse 18, Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. We note also here at the end of this little section that Peter accepts the deity of Jesus because he describes him as our saviour our God, the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. <clears throat> now following the tradition 
for letter writing of the time, Peter's desire for his readers was that grace and peace should be theirs through the knowledge of God and of Jesus their Lord. Now knowledge is a repeating theme in the three chapters of this little book. The words knowledge, knowing and known appear 12 times in the three chapters. However, Peter uses two different Greek words for our one English word. Firstly, there's the Greek word epinosis, which means the full recognition or acknowledgement of truth that God reveals to those who believe. It's something that is over and above ordinary human knowledge. Then there's knowledge number two, a similar but different Greek word, gnosis, which means knowledge gained by the readers through their own ongoing effort. So we need to just keep this in mind, which word is Peter meaning when he uses the word knowledge or a parallel word? Now, making one's calling and election sure, we move into the next paragraph, verses 3 to 11. The title comes from verse 10. Make your calling and election sure. Now, a calling is an invitation or a summons. You are called. Whereas election involves a selection or a choice. When Peter addressed the crowd on the day of Pentecost, he said, repent and be baptised, every one of you. The promise is for you and all whom the Lord our God will call, Acts chapter 2. God's call went out to everyone. And we see this later in this letter, chapter 3 and verse 9 of Second Peter, where he writes, God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's call was to everyone. Now back in First Peter and chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter described those to whom he was writing as a chosen or elected people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God. Who were these people? Now what Peter had noticed among these ones who were his readers were people who lived holy lives. Now that proved to him that they belonged to God. They had responded to God's call. And the fact that they were people like that proved that they belonged to God's elected ones. By his divine power, God had given them everything that was needed for life and godliness. God had given them those things. It came to the readers through knowledge that God revealed to them. 
That's the first kind of knowledge we mentioned earlier. Then in verse 4, he had also given them very great and precious promises. He had said, be holy because I am holy. It's a verse that appears several times throughout scripture. And Peter used it in chapter 1 and verse 16 of his first letter. How can you be holy like God? And it's because he has given us all that is necessary for godliness, godly living. And he has given us precious promises that he will keep the word that he has given. And so we are able to be people who honour him and become like him and so be able to escape the corruption that is in the world and at that time was threatening to wreck their lives. Well, that's what God has done. But there were things that these believers had to do. They had to make every effort to add to their faith. Not that their faith was insufficient, but it was incomplete. To their faith in God, they had to add, and you'll see them listed in verses 5 to 7, goodness, knowledge. But this time it's the knowledge that comes from their own study and learning. Then self-control and perseverance, godliness brotherly kindness and finally love so we see here a partnership there were things that God did there were things people had to do they had to work together God working in the believer through the Holy Spirit and the believer responding by learning and growing so that his or her life became more like that of Jesus. Now possession of these qualities would keep a person from being ineffective and unproductive. Peter was concerned that his readers would add to their faith these seven virtues and their lives would become effective and productive in his service. Now the readers were engaged to make, were encouraged rather to make their election and their calling sure, definite, certain. By continuing to add to their faith, they would also receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour. There's one of those rich and precious promises. There's a glorious outcome. Life will not be unproductive and ineffective provided we follow God's direction. God still calls people to follow him. His call still goes out to everyone. We need to just think for a minute, have I responded to that call?
Do I have that promise that a rich welcome awaits me in the future when I stand in glory and see his glorious face as we sang at the beginning of our service? That's the starting point. The rest of the book won't mean much unless we get that straight in our own lives as Peter reminded those to whom he was writing. We move on to the next paragraph, verses 12 to 21. Prophecy of Scripture. Now Peter begins this next paragraph by telling his readers that it was important to remind them of God's truth to refresh their memories regarding things that had taken place in the past. What's happened? Remarkable things have happened. Now in verse 14, Peter says he was sure he was soon going to die. God had revealed this to him. We read of that in John 21 also. And he was taking steps to make sure that these people to whom he would write would have a record so that they could remember these key things of their faith. And so we note those three R words, remind, refresh and remember. That's why it's useful to look back sometimes and see what's happened. Now what effort did Peter make? Now there are some who think that he was referring to his work in writing this second letter that we're looking at. And that makes sense. He's going to die soon, but they will have this letter to remind, to refresh, to remember. But others say, we think probably it's the book of Mark, a record of the gospel Because the tradition is that Peter provided Mark with much of the material that he wrote in the Gospel of Mark. Well, in a sense, it doesn't much matter. There is the written record and Peter has had an input there and he has added to God's inspired words of Scripture. Peter goes on to recount in verses 16 to 18 some earlier experiences he had. He reminds them when he was with James and John on the mountain and he saw Jesus transformed. It was not a vision. It was not some fuzzy feeling they had together. They actually saw the transfigured Jesus and they heard the voice of God. They were apostolic eyewitnesses of that interesting occasion. But then Peter remembers and goes back further. In verse 19, Peter goes back to the prophets of the Old Testament. Now the vital feature of the Bible prophets was that they spoke God's words. A prophet did not speak or write about his own ideas or thoughts or proposals. 
but rather the Lord spoke through the prophet the words that he wanted to make known. So Peter urged his readers to to take careful note of what the prophets had to say. And he maintains that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God spoke his unchanging and authoritative words of truth to both prophets and apostles. His word is preserved for us in the scriptures of truth, which shine as a light in darkness until a new day comes, as mentioned in verse 19. Thank you for reading the chapter earlier, young people. Now, by his divine power, God had done a number of things. So let's summarise. What's happened? Numbers of things have happened. And Peter has summarised them in this chapter. He wrote to some scattered congregations of believers out of a deep pastoral concern for their spiritual welfare. And in this chapter, he outlined what God had done in the past concerning the welfare of his people. Now, second, he mentioned several times in his letter the importance of knowledge. Firstly, the knowledge that God reveals to all who believe in him. And then secondly, knowledge that we must gain through our own study and learning and application. There are things that God has done. There are things that we must keep doing. Thirdly, God had provided everything. There are no gaps. He hasn't forgotten anything. All that we need to live godly lives. Now we may not do it very well, but God has provided everything that we need. And then they needed to keep adding to their faith as they grew towards maturity, becoming more like Jesus. God had spoken through the Old Testament prophets and also also through the apostles and it was important to pay attention to the scriptures of truth these are God's preserved words for troubled humanity number five when believers lived godly lives in obedience to God's word it proved that they had responded to the call of God And their godly lives confirmed their election by God to be part of his family. Well, in this first study, we come to a time of reflection. 
Have we responded to God's call? Do our lives reflect to others the fact that we have responded to God's call? They don't see into our hearts, but they they see the result of what has happened in our hearts. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now I know many of you have done, perhaps all of you have done that. But how are we going? How are we growing in our walk with God? Well now next week. Next week we will move on to chapter 2. And in a moment the screen will move on to chapter 2 as well. And so you might like to look at that chapter prior to next Sunday. There are notes of today's study on the table at the back. But now we're going to pray. Father, we, we thank you for those who went before us and modelled well for us the Christian life. We watched them, what they did and what they didn't do. How they spoke. How they responded to things that happened in their lives. And that added to our knowledge of what it was to be a follower of Jesus. And then further back, we thank you for those you chose to write things for us and give us this permanent record so that we could be reminded, our memories could be refreshed. We would remember things that are very important in life, things that happened in the past, but are still relevant and of great importance when it comes to life and living. We don't want our lives to be unproductive, our efforts to be ineffective. That's very sad. But we thank you that you've given us wonderful promises rich and precious promises that life can be productive and effective and there's coming a great day when faith will reach its full glory and wonder a glorious reception into what you have prepared for all who love So Lord, as we think about what's happened, has it happened to us? Are we growing in our knowledge? Adding to that knowledge which you've given us through your spirit and through the word. And so as we move through the book, Lord, we pray that you will speak to us, encourage us, 
Help us to grow in our faith and in our appreciation of the kind of God you are. All praise, honour and glory be unto you, our God and also our Father. Amen.